What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so... <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. Been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Thursday, March 2nd, and we are knee-deep in the NFL scouting combine. I'm not there. I'm not bitter about it either. Don't worry. It's not like one of the league events that I've never been to that I'm super sad that I'm not, uh, that I've never been to and that I'm not at this year. Um, You know, maybe someday, maybe someday. But we got a lot of news to react to out of the combine. The drills haven't started yet. We got a big, big show uh, ahead of us here today. Joining us to do it all is Mr. Do-It-All himself, Frank Schwab. What's going on, buddy? A couple things real quick. You're not missing anything at the Combine. I hate to say that out loud. Really? I, people on Twitter are like, oh, this is the best week of the year. It is not. The Combine is just, uh, it's 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 cold usually. You don't really see any, any of the fun stuff that's happening. It's just a bunch of GMs and coaches and, and college players talking. Whatever, it's important, but it's not fun. I'm not, I, When I w- have been many, many times, never looked forward to it. Second, yes, I, I I feel like I had to transition back to football almost. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm the rare football writer who's like, football's done. I want to I want to watch some basketball. I, I want to get into yeah. March Madness, betting posts and all that. So when you hit me up to do football, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Football's still going on. But no, no, I've been keeping track. Looking forward to to talk about some football. Uh, you know, if I if I throw out some reference to Kansas State or something in the middle, it's just because my my wires get crossed. I mean, you see, this is the this is the problem here, man. Like you, Andy, Dalton, Scott, you have like other interests in the sporting. But world. all in the sports, yeah, that it's all in the sports. Yeah, I don't have yeah, any yeah, interests yeah. outside of sports. Like, yeah, I'm not very cultured. Let's put it that way. But I, I can tell you, <laughs> I, I can tell you who's going to win the Atlantic Sun Conference tournament. Maybe you know, uh, it, it, my priorities, uh, whatever. Uh, well, hey, we appreciate you stepping in here uh, to, to run through some news out of the combine. And most importantly, what we're going to do today uh, after we run through some news is we're going to try to rank the coaching hires from a head coach or offensive coordinator uh, perspective, you know, kind of put them in tiers and groups and, and my own rankings. And Frank can tell me where I'm dead wrong about these guys <laughs> in terms of like the ones I'm most excited about for next year, the ones I think will be most impactful on their team's offenses. That's coming up later. But before we do all that, I uh, want to run through some news items coming out of the scouting combine. Like you said, Frank, it's a lot of GMs. It's a lot of head coaches doing their pressers. Um, I tried to focus on some of the more important ones that we've got coming out of the scouting combine. We'll start with one that we just uh, found out this morning. 
The Jaguars are expected to place the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. Uh, $11.3 million seems perfectly uh, palatable to me at the tight end position. Evan Ingram was a huge part of the Jaguars offense last year. It seemed like this was always where this was heading. Yeah, I mean, it just fits, right? Like, he found the team that finally used him correctly. He was really good last year. He was a punchline for so long. Not that anymore. And is he getting overpaid a little bit? Probably. But as somebody who I'm talking to the the Christian Kirk's agent, basically, we know that sometimes you got to overpay for good players. They're I would love, I would love ten percent of that contract. I <laughs> yeah, would right? love, yeah, yeah, I would, I would be like Christian Kirk's, right yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but as somebody who's banged the drum loudly on Christian Kirk's contract being what it is, uh, yeah, it's the same thing for Evan Ingram. Uh, is do I think Ele- Evan Ingram's really an eleven million dollar player? Eh, maybe I don't know, but he fits that offense great. Trevor loves him. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a pretty big year, and he's mm-hmm. look. If we're talking just fantasy, probably pretty draftable in those middle rounds. You look and you say, why not? Like he he the numbers are the numbers, and he was really good last year. I won't shy away from him if if you know. I mean, I might not proactively draft him, but if he falls to me at a certain point, yeah, why not? I, I mean, there's a continuity there. Yeah, I, I think Evan Ingram will be a really enticing pick next year. Obviously, we have to sort out the target distribution between him and what is Calvin Ridley going to bring to the team and the mm. aforementioned Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. I expect them to still potentially draft a wide receiver at some point as well. Maybe not early in the draft, like an instant impact type of guy, but I think they'll add more to that wide receiver room. So we have to sort out all that target distribution, but he perfectly, Frank, uh, Evan Ingram fits into the group of guys that I was talking about with Dalton on the last podcast, my new slogan for defending the tight ends from the cancel culture mob that's coming for them in fantasy. We just got to, we got to restore the middle class, Frank. We got to restore the middle class, the tight ends. We got Travis Kelsey. We got all the, you know, random sleepers that people are going to hype up in the off season that you shouldn't really care about. We just got to get that middle class of guys, the Evan Ingrams, the the, the guys that are going to go in round seven and eight, six round maybe. We got to get those guys back to like consistent prominence. And I think we can do it this year. I think Evan Ingram will be a big part of it. I, I do too. I mean, it, it fell off a cliff this year. Like if you didn't have Kelsey, you're like, oh, <laughs> it's bad. There weren't many middle round guys that hit, but I think that was a little bit of variance. And I, I, hey, I, I think you're right. And I think... We'll see some more guys uh, pop up, hopefully, anyway, because tight end was such a wasteland last season. Restore the middle class, baby. That's all we're trying to do here at the tight end <laughs> position. All right, uh, another one here. Speaking Wednesday, 49ers GM John Lynch told reporters that the team will have to consider signing a veteran quarterback. Uh, a couple other quarterback notes from the 49ers. Lance is a full go for OTAs, and uh, John Lynch also says there's, quote, a variety of timelines for Brock Purdy, which is certainly what you want to hear. Uh, Frank, <laughs> I've, I've said that I want this quarterback position to be you know, two guys enter, one guy leaves in terms of the quarterback competition here. Um, what do you expect to happen out of the 49ers quarterback room uh, if they do, in fact, have to go the veteran route? I mean, there's there's so many layers to this. First of all, yeah, of course, they got to add a veteran, right? Like I, I, the thing about Purdy is he got hurt at the wrong time. You look at his yeah. timeline and it's like, oh, yeah, he should be available like late July. Like that's what the original reports were. OK, he'll be about camp, right? What if that gets pushed back a month? What if it gets yeah. back pushed back six weeks where we're like, his elbow's not certainly right? What do the 49ers do at that point? Because no quarterback you add in August is any good. Like, it's just, you're not picking right. up a guy in August and he starts. Like, that's that's bad business. So I think they have to be proactive. But on the same thing, you're not you're not signing Derek Carr, right? Like, right, yeah. you're going to be going and getting somebody who you're like, ugh, I, I guess. I, I guess if he has to play a few weeks. The whole point of this, though, is a guy you mentioned. 
Trey Lance is just, I mean, Charles Robinson, our, our, our colleague, has talked about this often, where he has just completely fallen out of favor with the 49ers. Now, things can change. He's going to be the guy all offseason. If he shows up and he looks good and he's putting in the work, maybe he can get back into favor because this is not much happens in OTAs, right? Guys are running around in shorts and we make too much of everything. This is something that actually matters. How is Trey Lance handling being the one healthy quarterback, along with some slappy veteran probably, how is he handling the leadership role of being the one quarterback in OTAs? I think that's going to go a long way in can he get out of Shanahan's doghouse and create a competition. Right now, I do not think there's a competition at all. As much as I like mm. Trey Lance, I think Trey Lance is good. I, too, I will yeah, die on this hill. I, I'm dumb. I'll die on this hill. I'm stubborn. <laughs> uh, but Kyle Shanahan doesn't think he's good right now. But it, it could change. But as of right now, I don't think there. I think Purdy is the guy if he's healthy. But Trey Lance can change that if he has a great offseason. And he, my goodness, does he need a good offseason right now? Yeah, I think it's all in Trey Lance's hands at this point. Because you're right, the the veteran that they'd sign is probably like in the Marcus Mariota tier, you know, of yeah, guys. I mean, like, yeah, I don't even think that. I think I think Mariota's kind of like a a Cadillac backup, right? Like he's pretty high priority backup. I'm thinking even further down the line. You just can't. How much? How many resources can you really commit to what amounts to your third quarterback? It's it's hard. I, hope, it's just a yeah, hard situation for them to be in, right? Like all of a sudden, I mean, if Marcus gets I don't know how much he would get, but yeah, if he gets a, a pretty good contract for a backup quarterback, you're like, well, this guy's probably going to be your number three in a, <laughs> a best case scenario. So I don't know. It's a really tough spot for them to be in just because of the quote unquote variety of timelines for Brock Purdy. Yeah, there's so many. Um, there's a wide variety of the whole like bridge quarterbacks that are available this mm -hmm. year, uh, mm -hmm. the, the potential stop gap. So they can explore that. And that's probably the, again, the absolute best they do is like somebody in that tier. And it's probably yeah, a little yeah. bit lower. Uh, you're right. It's all in Trey Lance's hands. And um, I am excited to, to follow this story. I know people kind of like roll their eyes at Trey Lance and like, you know, I know Dalton is sick of everybody hating on Trey Lance. Um, but I think it's a really fascinating story. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely a scenario where he's the guy all off season. It goes moderately well. He doesn't play well through the first three weeks and they just throw Purdy out there because he's hopefully healthy. But yeah, like you said, the timeline for Purdy, it's been oh, tra training camp or uh, well, maybe now it'll be week one. And that's just really not what you want to see. It's unfortunate that it's happened that way. Sticking in the NFC West. Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon replied, uh, I'm not sure when asked if wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is going to play for this team in 2023. Uh, the full quote went, I'm not sure. We're evaluating everyone. I know this. He's a premier receiver. You have to plan for. He limits uh, what you do to, when you play defense. He's a valuable asset for us. So, Frank, I'll ask you, do you expect DeAndre Hopkins to be on this team in 2023? And if he's not, where do you want to see him uh, land? I do I think he will be just because my sense is the Cardinals are going to be asking for too much. It seems to be more of a fishing expedition of how much can we get for DeAndre Hopkins? And if some team is like, sure, we will give you the moon. Like he's 26 years old and not 31. I believe DeAndre's mm -hmm. 31, right? I, I mean, I think that they would do that. Of course, why not? But I don't know that that offers out there for them. If he does move, look, there's a million teams that could use a receiver, right? Like, I mean, who can't use a receiver in the modern yeah. NFL? I don't have a, the Bears make total sense. They have extra draft capital and are going to get extra draft capital if they trade down a couple times, which I think they will do from the number one pick. So the Bears are the obvious 
landing spot. And I would like to see that because I really want to see the Justin Fields thing through mm-hmm. there. As you've talked about many times, there's not much in the free agent market. There's just, uh, you're not fixing your receiver room in free agency this year. You're, you're going to have to get creative. One way to do that would be swing a deal for Deandre Hopkins. Cause I don't want to see Justin Fields out there. You know, I mean, having a, a pretty bad passing year like he did last year and everybody piling on when it's like, no, he's he has nobody. He has Equimania St. Brown to throw to. What are we doing here? I want to see them do something. The Bears fit best, but I don't know. I, I think the Cardinals are going to shoot for the moon here, as they should. Why not? But I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think I would pay a premium price for DeAndre Hopkins in a trade right now. Yeah, the Bears do make so much sense just because they have an absurd amount of cap space, and like they could be one yeah, of those teams they could do that whatever they, they want. They could literally do whatever they want. And it, it's unfortunate they don't have their second round pick, uh, which went to another receiver, uh, Chase Claypool. It's just, what are they doing? What are you doing? Why? I mean, Ugh, bad, bad move, bad. Anyway, it, it made no sense at the time. No, it makes no. even less sense uh, now that they made that second round pick trade for Chase Claypool. But yeah, it again, I don't know what you end up then giving up for DeAndre Hopkins, but they're one of the few teams that could trade for him and not like ask him to take a pay cut just because they can afford it. And it, it just, Justin Fields, like they're not going to find him, you know, an AJ Brown, like, uh, like Jalen Hurst got last year, you know, that like, Hey, we got questions about right. this guy. Let's get an all like, like let's get a potential all pro talent who is on the upswing. Deandre Hopkins is an all pro talent, but he's definitely on the downswing. Now I think he played really well last year going back and like charting him for reception perception. I think he's, I think he's, a, he's a declining player, but he's not, about to fall off a cliff and I actually think like a big game hunter like uh Justin Fields who definitely wants to throw deep definitely wants to push the ball downfield is a much better fit for DeAndre Hopkins than playing in the horizontal raid with Cliff Kingsbury I mean I can't like the Hopkins has never been a tackle breaker what are you trying to get him on these like cutesy little uh you run after catch plays Cliff I mean come on Uh, give me a break and also real quick I mean if I mean this is all spitball and so if Hopkins does go to Chicago or anybody does if any alpha goes to Chicago somehow he's gonna walk off the bus with 200 targets like who else are you throwing to if you're Justin (laughs) Fields you're like where's DeAndre I'm throwing that guy the ball I mean you're not messing around with anybody else so it's a whoever if a number a true number one lands there and even hey even Chase Claypool if nobody else does if a true number one lands there whoever the Bears number one is should get a lot of targets if they upgrade that spot at all yeah like a Hopkins, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney like trio. That's actually like that's yeah, a it's, real it's, it's receiver. An NFL room. receiver room. It's an NFL receiver room, which they did not have last year. Absolutely. Uh, so I I do kind of hope Hopkins gets traded just because I don't think he wants to spend half the year catching passes from like Trace McSorley or Colt McCoy because oh. you know Kyler's oh. going to miss so much time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense for them from a timeline perspective to make the trade. I and because of the lack of free agent resources, the lack of like ascending young guys on the trade market. I think it kind of ends up uh, happening. One team that's gotten floated around uh, is the Patriots as a potential landing spot because DeAndre Hopkins and Bill Belichick really think highly of each other. Again, watching that tape recently, it's like they really – you can see that Bill Belichick thinks highly of DeAndre Hopkins based on how he played um, the the Arizona Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins defensively. But they also have Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, as we're going to talk about later. And the uh, way that relationship I, forgot, <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together. Like, wow. Can yeah. you imagine? Can I, you imagine? I had not thought about that actually until putting this outline together and thinking like, oh, Hopkins, Patriots. But also, right, Bill O'Brien's the play caller now. 
maybe they convinced fences, but that relationship didn't necessarily end on the on the rosiest of notes. So uh, maybe yeah, that's yeah. not a destination that works That'd out for fun. him. That would be really, really fun, actually. Uh, all right, next one up here: Buccaneers release Leonard Fournette. Um, look, Fournette obviously did not play well last year. Uh, that this was not a surprise at all. We know the Bucks are uh, in the red deeper than anybody else from a cap perspective. So I will ask you, though, Frank, Rashad White, um, he's a guy that people are talking about on fantasy Twitter for sure right now. How excited are you uh, about Rashad White or are you kind of nervous heading into this offseason where so many running backs are going to be available that he might get jumped by somebody? Yeah, I mean, we got to see how it all shakes out. But just from talent aspect alone, you really got to like him. I mean, he he's good. Like, I thought he was better than Leonard last year, obviously. I, I don't think that's anybody would disagree there. I think talent-wise, yes, I, I'd proactively draft him. But the big problem is how how does this Tampa Bay offense look? I mean, we're, we're going to yeah. get to that, I, I mean, in a little bit. Kyle Trask is our quarterback. Is this going to be a high-scoring offense? Or is this an offense you want to buy into with, like, a – I'm going to proactively draft Rashad White in the early rounds. I don't know. I probably, it would give me pause. Let's put it that way. But talent-wise, he's he's really, really good. I wonder where Leonard's going to land, honestly. Like, I think he could have a kind of dead cat bounce type of season left in him. I, I'm not just completely writing him off like he's just done. We're not going to see him anymore. I, th- I think he could have one more year where he actually provides some value to whoever wants to sign him. And, you know, I mean, he's probably going to come cheap at this point. So I, I think somebody will sign him. He'll get a good shot. We'll see what he does with it. I, I-, I probably, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, depending on the landing spot, probably be more interested in, in drafting Leonard for net and fantasy because the, the price is going to be just bottom out, right? Like, I mean, he's going to go not free, but, but pretty cheap. Whereas Rashad White, you, you're you going to have to proactively draft a running back in what's likely to be a really, really bad offense. I know. Yeah, we'll talk about that offense more in depth later. But, I, I you know, I keep saying this with running backs this offseason, like there's going to be a cataclysmic shift here over the next few weeks because we have so mm-hmm. many guys that are about to hit free agency. Um, you know, I, I think of all the guys I'm confident is back with their team. I think Josh Jacobs ends up back with the Raiders, uh, whether on the franchise tag or, you know, some sort of deal there. Like, I think that would be a tough sell to fans after you let Derek Carr go for nothing to then let Josh Jacobs go for nothing after he was one of the best backs in the league last year. But like Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, like these guys are available. There's good players in the draft. There's, There's you know, questions Tony about Tony Pollard. Pollard. Yeah. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many of these guys could hit the market and shake up backfields that and then there's the draft, like I said. So that that could be a place where they spend another day two pick on a running back or a day three pick on a running back that ends up shaking things up with Rashad White. That's going to be the case for all of these guys. Another guy who might hit the market at this running back position is uh, Joe Mixon, who Bengals director of play, player personnel Duke Tobin said, I don't know, when asked about whether uh, Joe Mixon would be on the 2023 Bengals. Again, I don't know, you know, it's not not the best quote or whatever, especially when uh, on the other side for a T. Higgins trade, he said the following things. It's not on my mind. It's a little ridiculous right now. I'm not in the business of making other teams better. And, quote, you want a great receiver, go find your own. Uh, I love when, that. <laughs> which love is that. so great. That is so great. Because uh, I don't under, I never understood, like, why they just trade T. Higgins, all that type of stuff. But, yeah, Joe Mixon, he might be another one of these running backs that hits the free agent market in the next couple of weeks. Uh, absolutely. Real quick on T. Higgins. Like, I hate this kind of speculation where people just throw it out there. Like, oh, yeah. they're going to have to trade T. Higgins. Why would they trade T. Higgins? It's right. stupid. T. Higgins is a top 
15, 10 receiver in this league. He's good really, player. really good. What makes the Bengals good is they have two of the top 10, 15 mm-hmm. receivers in the NFL. So, I, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're not going to entertain that notion. We're mixing, though. I, look, at some point, the expiration date hits on all these running backs. It's, it sucks, but you don't play forever at that position. I don't think Mixon was nearly as good this past year, other than that one game where he scored like 18 million touchdowns. He really wasn't that great this past year, but it's still hard to replace him. So we'll see. Maybe they, they're a team that uses some draft capital on on a running back just to keep keep this offense humming and, and have all these different weapons. But yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if Mixon's out there. And then we'll see what kind of market he has. He's He'll, he'll be a very interesting player for agency because I can see a team saying he really fits what we do as a multi-talented dude. He's not that old, really. No, yeah. We could get, we could squeeze a couple more good years out of him. The Dolphins are an interesting team to me to potentially add a running back. You know, they have Jeff Wilson oh, yeah. and Raheem Mostert hitting uh, the open market. And I could see, like, hey, if we want to take this offense, have it evolve in a way. Like, we know what the passing game is. As long as two is healthy, these two receivers, that's great. But, like, you know, if they want to get, like, a B talent at running back instead of like a couple of C plus guys in Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. I could potentially see them as a landing spot for a guy like Joe Mixon. Yeah, T. Higgins, I, I love all you're you're so right about that. It becomes this thing that like somebody speculates in an article and then you get like tweets about it and then they then we've got to talk about it. But there's no real I think ever since the AJ Brown thing went down and it was like why the hell would they trade AJ Brown? That makes no sense. What a ridiculous notion. And then they did it. <laughs> it's like it fueled think, all this, right? Yeah. I, yeah, it fueled all of this. But at the same time, remember there was the Debo Samuel trade speculation, DK Metcalf yeah. trade speculation. It was like, okay, no, these guys aren't going anywhere. They're going to be with their current team. So I think for the most part, teams want to retain and pay their young, drafted and developed guys. That's exactly what we're going to get with the Bengals and T. Higgins. Last thing here, Frank. Mentioned Saquon Barkley earlier. The the Giants are going to be one of the teams of the offseason because they have mm-hmm. these pivotal decisions to make. You know, the, the contracts they need to hand out, the guys hitting free agency. Well, we got one big news. One of the big dominoes finally fell, Frank. Kenny Galladay was released by the team. <laughs> $72 million. Well spent. <laughs> well spent, Dave Gettleman. Well done. Done. I, I just remember Kenny Galladay costing me a bet. Catching us like one touchdown with the Giants against the Eagles in that season finale. So thanks for that, Kenny. What did you wait? Time. What did you bet? What did what was the it? It was like I, I if I remember, I just remember it was some teaser or something that I, I needed. I, I just needed the Eagles to hold on. And this guy, like literally, I'm not kidding. Like you know, I watch every game. I cover the league. I, some Giants receiver catches a touchdown, and I'm I'm mad. And then I'm like, who is that? Who, who just caught that touchdown? I'm like, oh, my God, that's Kenny Galladay's music. I didn't recognize him. I was like, oh, wow. I haven't even thought about Kenny Galladay in weeks. So I mean, thanks, understandable Kenny. understandable that you forgot. Uh, I can't remember a time where, like, a new coaching staff came in and, like, a high-priced veteran, a guy like Kenny Galladay. And the crazy thing with Galladay is that, like, he was good in Detroit. He wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like He, he wasn't this bad. I mean, even if yeah. he was like a little disappointing, I'd be like, all right. He absolutely vanished off the face of the earth after he signed that contract. I, I didn't see that coming. I can't lie. Yeah, he was. He was all. I mean, he was one of the worst uh, RP profiles I've ever charted in 2021. His first oh. year with the Giants. He might, then, is he the worst free agent signing ever? Like you're up there with yeah. like Albert Hainsworth. And uh, he's uh, for dollar per production. Like, yeah, he's he's absolutely in that conversation. It's up there, too, and because, like, when Joe Shane and Brian Dayball got there, like, sometimes, you know, it's like, all right, here's some big mistake that the former, you know, former GM and former head coach made. 
Let's try to make it work. They were pretty much like, nope, <laughs> no, nope. From from the nah. from, like from the jump, they were talking about that guy, like Colin Johnson or whatever. I think is the yeah. is the oh, yeah. big receiver. Like, oh yeah, we need a big receiver outside who's going to make plays like this guy. <laughs> Towards Achilles in camp, it's like, yeah, you have another guy, big receiver who can make plays on the outside. Never once, never Speaking once like even thought forty eight bazillion dollars, and it's like, nah, 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 we're not going to even try that. He he's like as much as you said the Christian Kirk thing at the top, and how I was like, okay, you know, look, they he got that contract because he's the best available player in free agency that's just how it works Kenny Galladay was the best wide receiver available in free agency that year he got that contract and man did it go the complete other direction of Christian Kirk so that is a cautionary tale that happens sometimes you know what can you do all right that was some relatively spicy news coming out of these again you know is it the hottest on the Schofield scale or whatever in terms of news no not really, but relatively spicy news Ugh. coming out of the NFL scouting combine, coming out of these pointless GM uh, head coach pressers that Frank apparently hated going to. And I'm for some reason jealous that uh, that I've never gotten to do. I mean, maybe I just need to get a life, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side. We're going to get into our meat of the show today. A very exciting breakdown of the coaching hires in the NFL. All right, we're back. Frank, we got 16 teams to talk about here that either hired a new head coach uh, that's going to call plays or a new offensive coordinator or their offensive coordinator left and somebody else not naming any names is going to take over the play calling duty I decided to tier these into four groups I ranked them within those tiers again I want you to tell me if I'm way too high or way too low on something here let's get it started with the first tier here these are the love it I think this is a big advantage, and it's a big shift in projections for these teams in the coming season. My number one team here, my number one hire, is Frank Reich, the former Colts coach. As the offensive coordinator, he also brings along a star-studded staff with him, including Thomas Brown, the former Rams assistant head coach and tight ends coach. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. Josh McCown is the quarterback coach. Jim Caldwell is like a senior assistant here. Frank, I, I love the Frank Reich hire. Uh, for the Carolina Panthers. We don't know who's going to be their quarterback yet, but I think it's a big deal for this team that could not have been more of a joke the last few years with Matt Rule. Uh, very true. I, I mean, l- let me let me lay out the parameters here because I'm going to put... Th- I didn't... Look, I like your tears. We're going to get through them. I, I, it's not going to make for great podcasting because I'm not going to be up in arms. I'm not going to fake debate you because I agreed with most of what you did. <laughs> this one, I was like, number one, really, Carolina. We're just talking about the fantasy impact, right? Because I like Frank Reich as a coach. I think that they're, they're, the culture there is going to change. I, I, I'm Another hill I'm going to die on is that Frank Reich is a good coach. And oh, I like yeah. the hire a lot. But we're just talking about fantasy right here, right? I mean, if that's it, Fear. I yeah, wonder. You know, we're talking about like the like how the offense is going to grow right, right, and right. change, yeah. which obviously bleeds into fantasy. We're just strictly talking about what it means for the offense. Okay, and why do you think that this is going to transform the offense? How do you think this offense is going to look with Frank Reich? Because I mean, for it, 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 there were obvious excuses for the Colts and why they never took off on offense, but. They weren't some dynamic offense the past few years. Like they, 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 they I, and I get it. Matt Ryan was cooked, all that kind of stuff. JT was hurt, but Frank Reich doesn't strike me as a this offensive genius is coming in, and the Carolina Panthers are going to be a top twelve offense all of a sudden. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree in that I think they were a really well constructed, really well designed offense, and I think okay. they were very different versions of themselves throughout the Frank Reich era. It's just so hard to to judge Frank Reich. Because it was the different quarterback every year. You're like, right. I think You're, totally his, right. You're totally right. I think his one year with Andrew Luck was great. Like I think that was one of Luck's best 
seasons of his career. Remember the thing with Andrew Luck was always like, obviously this is what ended up kind of ruining his career. In addition to Ryan Grigson and that version of the Colts never protecting him (laughs) was that he would always throw, like he would hold on the ball forever. He would constantly, uh, our buddy Sigmund Bloom would say he always looked like he got dropped in behind enemy lines. It was like, all right, now shoot your way out. That was like how he played. Um, But under Frank Reich, he was, got the ball out quick. He was will, more willing to take those checkdowns. Like he was an evolved version of himself. I always think back to that with Frank Reich. I think the offense around Phillip Rivers was good. I think that the RPO heavy offense around Carson Wentz, even if I mean Carson Wentz is what he is. I think Reich had a lot of really good ideas. And I think that if uh, the Panthers go ahead here and like pair him and this great young staff of teachers with a young quarterback here, I know they're like talking about Derek Carr. They they met with Derek Carr. I, I don't think that's going to end up happening. I think that's just probably doing due diligence. If they get a young quarterback here, I think that could really help the Panthers. Maybe not this year, but like guys like DJ Moore, the offensive line is pretty good. Like I think they've got enough here that they could be a really good offense with fantasy value. Again, maybe not right away, but in the next few years. I'm just very excited about this whole coaching staff. It's again, I I'll be interested to see where the Panthers offense goes. And part of that is the quarterback position. What are they going to do? Yeah, because they're stuck in a spot where they have a good draft pick, not a great draft pick. And teams, uh, you're probably going to have to pay up. You're probably going to have to be like, if we want Will Levis, we're going to have to move up because he ain't going to be here. I think it's number nine is where they are. They're they're in that kind of no man's land range uh, where if you don't move up, you're probably not getting the quarterback you want. And it'll be very interesting to see where this goes. I've always said, and I assume this anyway, nobody's come out and said this, but I don't think Frank Reich would have signed up for this if it was, yeah, we're just going to do the veteran carousel every mm-hmm. year. We're the one-year washed-up guy. We're gonna, He wants a young guy to, to mold, and I think he can. I mean, he's he's a smart guy, and like you said, he's kind of a – he adjusts very well to his personnel. All right, what do I have? What do I got? I, okay, I got Andrew Luck. We're going to run that offense. So I got Carson Wentz. Let's RPO the heck out of this thing and make Jonathan Taylor the NFL's rushing champ. I He's very good at that. So I'll grant you that. I don't know if this is the impact higher, at least on the two, 2023 Panthers, do you think it is? I think our offense gets better, of course. It can't get any worse. Yeah. But I'm not exactly excited. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he's going to unlock all these these Panthers uh, values in, in fantasy, and their offense is going to be top 10-ish. I, I, just, I just can't see that unless there's some answer or quarterback where I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't see that coming. Uh, it wouldn't be number one on my list. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. Uh, I just think he moves the needle for sure, but I'm just maybe a little too high on the whole uh, idea here. But I think that, again, if they get like a, you know, stopgap veteran, Jacoby Brissett's an easy name to bring up because he has history with Frank Reich. Like he's one of these guys that has started an entire season Uh, with Frank Reich. I mean, why, Um, why are you doing, like, Jacoby, play, I think the legend just like, of Jacoby Brissett has kind of taken off a little too much. He well, it, fine, in, fairness, in fairness to Jacoby Brissett, it's probably because he was like 12th in EPA per dropback, and Deshaun Watson was 41st on the same <laughs> offense. I think right. that I think you're right that that's probably grown the legend of Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. But I'm some saying advanced like metrics guy, are really good on him for sure. For sure, yeah. I think you just like as a guy to start half the season and then handed over to a Will Levis, Anthony Richardson type in the second half of the year. And then, then I think like for DJ Moore, you're really cooking there. Like as a, you got an efficient guy to get you the ball early. You've got a, you know, a a young guy to grow with later in the season. And we get him off of the Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin path of sadness at the quarterback yeah, yeah, yeah. position there. So we're talking, we're, we're already, it's, dude, it's March 2nd. We're already talking ourselves into DJ Moore again. We're really going to do this to ourselves. Another oh, one, 100%. <laughs> uh, 
Ryan and all the other haters out there oh who called DJ Moore my guy all year. We're going to be talking about him all next year Ooh, as well. We, so just we get ready six, for that. Yeah, only got six more months of DJ Moore talking ourselves and well, Jacoby Brissett's throwing the ball. Of course he's going yeah, to go then, for and then, and then five more months of coping after that. So <laughs> <laughs> should be a great time. Uh, all right. Number two on my list, again, in tier one here is Todd Monken, the former Georgia offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Uh, he also has history in the NFL. You know, he that Ryan Fitzpatrick year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has history with the Browns. He has, he has a wide variety of offensive backgrounds. I think that he is the perfect coach to strike a balance, Frank, between keeping the Ravens in their core identity as a run-first physical offense built around Lamar Jackson while also evolving the unit a little bit out of kind of the stale passing game concepts that were the theme of the Greg Roman era. Of course, the big thing here is like this, the specter of Lamar Jackson and whether he's actually right. going to play there. You know, you've got Ravens receiver Rashad Bateman in a tweet storm this morning about something Eric DaCosta said. Um, the vibes maybe aren't that great in Baltimore right now, which you know, is certainly something to bring up here. But in a hypothetical world where Lamar is there, Bateman's healthy, they add a couple pieces of the receiver room. I think Todd Monken's like a perfect coach to make this offense sing the way I think it should. Yeah, I, and I'm just going to talk about this, assuming Lamar's there. DaCosta said yesterday, we want him back. I, I, again, I always tell this to people who are like, oh, they're going to trade Lamar. They're going to, or your team, whatever team you like. Oh, oh we got to upgrade. Or we got to get rid of our quarterback. All right, that's cool. Tell me who your week one starter is. Yeah. Because that's the second part of this. You really think the Ravens are just yeah. going to give up on Lamar Jackson and start Tyler Huntley week one? Really? Like, I don't think Tyler so. Tyler Huntley's a free agent. They, they, oh, it'll be yeah, a Tyler yeah, Huntley gotta... versus Jaco- – <laughs> they, they'll be the Jacoby Brissett team, you know? Ooh. Pro bowler Tyler Huntley. Um, so I, I'm going to assume Lamar is there. And obviously we all know the offense completely changes and all this gets thrown out if Lamar leaves. So the one thing that really excites me about Munkin and his background is how he uses tight ends. He was the the 2000, I think it was 18 bucks, really used the tight ends well. They had a couple guys. I think it was Brayton Howard who really had big seasons. Yeah. So obviously you project this onto Mark Andrews who had a disappointing season last year, but we all know he's great. He could end up having the bounce back to 2021 with Munkin calling to plays. I mean, Brock Bowers became a superstar Georgia with Munkin running yeah. the offense there. I, I really like that part. The the I think they're going to, hunt some more explosive plays. I mean, we've heard that a lot. I mean, just reading up on what Munkin's saying, what, what John Harbaugh's saying, they want to get the ball down, feel a little bit more, make some plays. I like that. That kind of fits their skill set at receiver a little bit better. So I do like that. The one thing, and, you know, I know the Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett, he ran a lot, I mean, for what his skill set is, but can Munkin devise a running offense around Lamar Jackson's skills? This is This offense is different than the other 31 and Greg Roman knew that and I for all Greg Roman's faults I do think he embraced the hey we have a unicorn here we're not going to run the same offense anybody else in the NFL does we are going to build a Lamar Jackson offense because that kid's special can Munkin do that it's not really in his background to do that I think that that's the key to this whole thing can he find you can't just turn Lamar Jackson into like you know, when Jim Mora wanted to run a West Coast offense with Michael Vick, like, what are you doing? Come on. Like, that's the dumbest <laughs> idea I've ever heard. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you have to you have to understand Lamar's different than every other quarterback. And I have to make an offense that's completely different than the other 31. I think Munkin's a smart guy. He's had a great run at Georgia. I think he could do that. But that's the question I have. Agree. Um, I, I, the fact that Stenson Bennett had like double digit rushing touchdowns that yeah. he was and he 
Let me tell you what, he ain't Lamar Jackson. No. I mean, he, he can run from the cops, but he's not necessarily a, a run at first NFL quarterback. That's a better. So uh, I think there's that at least gives you some optimism when thinking about Munkin with Lamar Jackson. But agree, there are open questions here. Obviously, the biggest one being, is Lamar right. going to be there? But I think you and I are on the same page that this is. But the one thing I will higher. say, the one thing I, I, I will proactively draft Mark Andrews if Lamar is back because I think he, I think Munkin's going to be like, that's the dude. I know, I know how to get tight ends in space and make them hum. And Mark Andrews is going to have a bounce back year. I, I mean, I don't think that's a secret to anybody. I think he would immediately be Kelsey light again, uh, even after he kind of hurt some of us who missed on a Kelsey took Mark Andrews and drafts. Mm. I think Andrews bounces. He's got the talent for it. And now he's got the offensive coordinator who's going to feature him. Restoring the middle class at tight ends, Frank. That's what we're doing here. Although he might be more like upper yeah, middle he's, class he's at, at the worst. Class. He's yeah. like the Lexus, right? You don't know exactly own a Beamer, but you got a Lexus. Right. You feel pretty good. You're not driving a Honda Civic like I am around Colorado. <laughs> Frank, you're doing just fine for yourself, man. Don't, don't, don't let the haters down. Speaking of Colorado, number three here, Denver Broncos. It's Sean Payton for me. Uh, he's hired as a head coach. We know that. Uh, he also... Friends and family plan, baby. It is undefeated. Joe Lombardi is the offensive coordinator here um, with the Denver Broncos. Longtime connection there with the Saints and Joe Lombardi and Sean Payton, all that. But look, as much as Sean Payton's going to come with a lot of fanfare, he's going to come with a lot of uh, nobody's going to talk to the media more than Sean Payton. You and I were at Radio Road together, uh, Frank, and it was like, yeah. is everybody here? Is Sean Payton doing, doing hits with everybody here? I mean, he's doing scrums <laughs> in the middle of the floor. It's a whole thing. Going to come with a lot of that, but also I think he's going to bring a really good offensive background here to the Denver Broncos. Um, I'm curious what you think about this pairing him and Russell Wilson and like, does the Russell Wilson thing, how much does it even matter with Sean Payton here uh, in terms of projecting? Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, the personalities are, I mean, Russ has kind of seemed humbled by last year. That helps because Sean Payton's going to come in. And if there's a Nathaniel Hackett came in and was like almost starstruck by Russell Wilson, like do what you want, whatever. Sean Payton don't play that. He's got a bigger ego than anybody in that building. And, and hey, frankly, yeah. so he's a great coach. Uh, so we're going to have to see how that that fits. I, I don't know that that's intangible stuff. We're never going to get our, our heads around, really. But what we do know is Sean Payton late. Look, it all looked the same for Drew Brees late in his, his career because it was the same uniform and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But Breeze was a much different guy his last four years. And Peyton, to his credit, completely changed their offense. They became yeah. a run-first offense. Uh, three of their last four years with Peyton there, they were top five in the league in rushing attempts. Some of that is because they had good teams and they were running a lot. I get that. But I think Peyton looked at Breeze late in his career and said, this isn't the same guy. I'm going to have to switch up my offense. I, I, we're going to have to to be a little more balanced or even imbalanced with with the running game taking over a little bit. And I think he's going to do the same for Russell Wilson. I think he's going to say, Russ ain't cooking no more. I mean, we're, we're going to have mm -hmm. to see, whatever. But I saw last year a guy in decline, but I can save him. I can save him and make him a quality quarterback still. Maybe not that top five quarterback. We thought he, you know, I, at least I thought he might be with the Denver Broncos if they let him really get going. I think the one, so, you know, it kind of, to me, I'm not really excited about Russell Wilson. I guess Jerry yeah. Judy's going to be fine and Cortland will do his thing. I'm more excited about like who's their running back. Is Javante Williams healthy? Because he could end up being a huge part of yeah. this offense that unlike Rashad White, who we talked about a little bit ago, this could be a viable offense. Sean Payton, I have total trust in Sean Payton putting a good offense out there. So now you're buying into a running back who is going to be discounted a little bit because the injury, if you have that faith that he's going to be healthier, whoever they go pick up, because they're going to have to add to that room, 
I think whoever's a running back there could be really, really valuable because you look at what Sean Payton did with Drew Brees late in his career, and I think he's going to follow the same blueprint with Russell Wilson now. This sounds mega boring, but, you know, Latavius Murray played some pretty good snaps for this team uh, yeah, last yeah. year, and, and like, Apparently, Sean Payton was on Pat McAfee's show talking about, like, yeah, Latavius Murray was texting him in the middle of, like, last year talking about, like, coming to the Broncos and stuff like that. And th there's history there. He yeah. played. He'd Murray be the Mark Ingram, the right? Like, he could, he could have yeah. value as the Mark Ingram. Yeah, yeah. Like, so not? he could hold the hold the fort down for the first couple of weeks if, if, if Williams is working back into form. And then maybe by, like, week six, Williams is really cooking there. Because I agree with you, like... The offense will be good with Sean Payton. I, I know it's hard sometimes better, for people to better. separate quarterback, like Hall of Fame quarterback and play caller. But, you know, Breeze wasn't like prime Peyton Manning when he hit or like even late career Peyton Manning, like he hit free agency and stuff like that. And like, oh, we know he's going to be good. Even Peyton, there was obviously outstanding questions, Peyton Manning. But Drew Breeze came there with a lot of questions. They built this great legendary offense around him. I think they can get Russell Wilson to rebound to like the 15th best quarterback in the yeah. NFL. You know? It's better than 27th or whatever he was last year. Better than averaging like 16.9 points per game or whatever they were doing. They'll be, they won't be so unwatchable. Let's put it that way because they were absolutely unwatchable last year. Last one in tier one for me, um, Shane Steichen, former uh, Eagles offensive coordinator, hired as head coach. Jim Bob Cooter, the former Jaguars passing him, uh, hired as offensive coordinator. I don't love that Jim Bob Cooter's like kind of the guy who neutered Matthew Stafford in Detroit and made him like a, a you know, pure yeah. check. Yeah, 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 big check down guy. I don't love that. But Shane Steichen, I am really impressed. I was really impressed with his work with the Eagles. I think everybody was designing an offense around Jalen Hurts over the last two years because it couldn't possibly be any more different than Shane Steichen's background as like a Norv Turner uh, disciple from those Chargers days. Indianapolis Colts, uh, Shane Steichen, I'm really high on this hire. I like it too. I, I really do. I might have even had this number one. I mean, mm. I'm going to say this over and over. It depends on the quarterback. Like, what's your answer yeah. quarterback? Okay, that's going to determine what you do as a play caller. But I love that. I, I pulled a quote from Steichen. Just, I, I just love this philosophy. He said about, you know, he's talking about his offensive scheme, and he said, it's going to look differently each week. But my philosophy is we're going to throw to score points in this league and run to win. Like, yeah, perfect. You get it. Thank you. I, I mean, and I like the fact that, you know, he says it's going to look differently every week. I think the good teams, and they did this really, really well in Philadelphia. What do we do to beat this team this week? And some weeks yep. it's going to be Jonathan Taylor getting 30 carries. Some weeks it's not. And I think that he gets it. He understands that you can't just be like, this is my scheme, and this is what we are going to do, and this is our identity. I hate the identity thing. He is like, our identity is, what does the defense stink at? Because we're just going to pick apart that, and we're going to be able to do multiple things well. I really like this hire. I... I yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's just, it's good. They're going to have a, a good offense. Hopefully, uh, can get Michael Pittman back on track. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, Jonathan Taylor's healthy and they use him. I, I Yeah, there, there's multiple pieces in this offense I'm excited about if the quarterback <laughs> situation gets worked out. Yeah, uh, there's going to be so much like jockeying between the Texans and the Colts at pick two and four, and like who's going to trade up in front of who. You know, you got Jim Mercy mm -hmm. out there like my relationship with the Bears goes back, uh, you know, to the to the nineteen sixties or whatever. So uh, you know, he's Jim Mercy is definitely telegraphing the whole thing sure. not, uh, in terms Jim? of what he cool. wants. And then I love how Chris Ballard too, by the way, is like. Oh, the media, the media, the media. It's like, uh, how about your owner, owner is the your one? Your owner, like. <laughs> yeah. Your owner's just repeating what your, yeah. The media's repeating what your owner said, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, I love Shane Steichen. I mean, no 
he they were trying to throw to win to start the 2021 season right and then they're yeah. like midway mm-hmm. through like we can't do this we can't actually have to be something completely different and then they were a di- different entity entirely this year really excited about that part of it i think they do get michael pittman back on track i think jonathan taylor gets back on track and they'll find some young quarterback to develop here and hopefully the offensive line is better than it was last year and they could really be good all right let's move on to tier two here these ones, I think, are a net positive for the offense. I'm not like as in love with it as the, as the early part of Tier 1, but these ones I'm still excited about. Number five here, Washington Commanders, Eric Bieniemy, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, is hired as their offensive coordinator. He gets a bump to assistant head coach or whatever. We know Bieniemy's trying to you know boost his resume here by getting away from Andy Reid. You're going to say it depends on who the quarterback is? Of course. I but I do. I, 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 think, I think we already know who the quarterback is, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think Sam. I think it'll be Sam Sam Howell and some like veteran competition here. But regardless, I think Bienemy um coming here is a net positive for the Washington Commanders. I like some of the things Scott Turner did, but of course it's uh, you know, it's he, he had some he had some problems on his resume too that I think Bienemy can do a little bit better with. Yeah, the Bienemy situation is so interesting. I mean, obviously, for whatever reason, he just cannot break down the door and get that head coaching opportunity. I think that, you know, it's unfortunate he had to make this kind of downward move in his career to to kind of prove, hey, it's not just Andy and Mahomes. I can do this, too. I, I have faith in him. I, I like this. I, I, I agree with you that it's not top tier, but it is. Yeah, this is a positive. I think it, it's impossible to be around Andy Reid as long as Eric Bieniemy was and not pick up everything. Like he is. Andy's a, obviously a genius play caller. And I think Eric Bieniemy is going to be really good. I do think they're going to go. With, they're going to go with Sam Howell, and I think they should. I think they need to see that thing through mm. for a year. Um, I really like that pick. I really like how he played. I don't know that the opportunity is going to present itself to upgrade immediately. And if Sam Howell stinks, yeah. you just move on in twenty twenty four. No big deal. I, I, I like the fit. I think he's going to get the most out of Sam Howell. I think they're he's going to get most out of guys like Terry McLaurin. I think it's going to be very creative. No, he doesn't have Mahomes anymore, and 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 it makes it tougher to call plays. But I, I think that I, I really do. I like the hire. I think that. That Bianami is going to prove that he wasn't just like, you know, riding in the back seat while Mahomes and Reed did have all the work. Yeah, people act like he's back there, you know, like eating chips and hanging out while yeah. just Andy Reed and Patrick are doing all the work. Like it doesn't work. He's the offensive coordinator. It doesn't work like that. He might not have always called plays. We know Andy Reed's a big benefit, but um, I do think Bianami can bring a lot to this team that has a ton of talent at the skill position spots, uh, especially in the wide receiver room. So I'm excited about it. Number six here. Los Angeles Chargers, I've, you know, Kellen Moore, former Cowboys offense coordinator. He is now their offensive coordinator. Um, again, I think this one fits into the net positive for the offense. They needed to change uh, from what Joe Lombardi was doing uh, as the offensive coordinator there. We talked about that a lot on the podcast. Um, I'm just not 100% sure. You know, I, I'm kind of like 90% confident that Kellen Moore is going to be an upgrade here for this team. But there's still 10% of me that like some of the concepts might still be a little stale. Um, I'm not again. He's just he's a tough guy to figure out Kellen Moore. Yeah. But I think net positive for the offense. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't have him in the upper tier, uh, but I get it. I, this seems about right. I think it is a an upgrade. The one thing they have to do, which is totally obvious, you talked about Jim Bob Cooter kind of turning Matthew Stafford into a check down Charlie. That's what Joe Lombardi was doing last yeah. year. Like yeah. Justin Herbert has one of the strongest arms we've ever seen. He, he, he's he got to unleash it. And I get that there were some personnel issues there. They didn't have a yes. really receiver that could stretch a field. So the Chargers got to get on their horse and free agency and figure that thing out and get somebody who could stretch a field. But I, I just think Helen is going to be better. I think if nothing else, just uh, the change itself, just – 
shaking things up to say, we know that what we ran on offense last year was not good. Like that, that doesn't fit what we want to do. Kellen Moore is a smart guy. He's going to understand that and figure out, I need to get more out of Justin Herbert or I'm going to be the next guy gone and they're going to find somebody who can do it. I, I like this. I like this hire for the, the Chargers. And I think that their offense looks completely different this season. Yeah. I, again, I go kind of back and forth on whether I should have had more in tier one, but I do think he's a good offense coordinator. I think he's similar to Scott Turner. What I said about with the Washington commanders, really good play designs. Sometimes the sequencing in games has some questions, um, but you know, we're going to talk about the Cowboys a little bit later. That's that maybe there's some push and pull there in terms of the guys that are still in Dallas versus Kellen Moore. We'll see about that. Um, three other guys I've got in tier two. Uh, I'll let you kind of pick whichever ones you think are too high, too low, whatever. I've got seven Los Angeles Rams. Mike LaFleur is their offensive coordinator. Um, look, I, I think obviously it's still going to revolve around Sean McVay. This is definitely a friends and family plan higher, but I do think Mike LaFleur, very similar to what I just talked about those last three guys, good offensive designs. I think he kind of got scapegoated in, in New York a little bit. And then Kansas city. Look, I'm like maybe the last Matt Nagy truther on planet earth. Um, I'm not, I don't think he was a good head coach, obviously with the bears, but I think again, well-designed offense continuity there. I think Nagy's going to be fine for Kansas city. Not a ton to talk about there. I've got bill O'Brien at number nine, last guy in tier two. We know he's a former Alabama offensive coordinator, the biggest fan, friends and family plan of all time. The Patriots are literally like the friends and family uh, team right now oh, at yeah. this point. He's the offensive coordinator there. I think it's just a, giant upgrade from the Matt Patricia Joe Judge thing and I think we'll get them at least to like respectable and serious at the NFL level from an offensive perspective yeah I, I don't have much to say about the Rams and Chiefs we all know the head coach kind of runs the show there but but having those guys in those positions totally fine I think LaFleur with the Rams helps out McVay he can get back to that having a guy like Kevin O'Connell who he really trusts to kind of take some of the the load off of his plate. I, I, I like that hire for the Rams. Obviously, the, the Chiefs were always going to promote Nagy if, if the enemy left, which he did. Don't have much to say about that. Their offense is going to be the same, I think. I'm really shocked you didn't have the Patriots in that top tier because if we're just talking upgrade, mm. oh my goodness. Yeah. Like I, We can say whatever we want about Bill O'Brien, but most of his problems were as a general manager. Like He made <laughs> so many stupid moves. Like. You, you trade the world for Laramie Tunsil and you're shocked that he wants a huge contract. Like, uh, okay. Like you didn't, you didn't know that you gave away all the leverage. You trade DeAndre Hopkins away for nothing. Like all these things were just dumb things that he did. Whereas offensive play caller wise, I think he's fine and fine for the 2023 Patriots is such an upgrade over the disaster last year. when you had receivers running into each other downfield. Uh, this is easily to me a top uh, a tier one Mm. higher not because i love bill o'brien but just the upgrade's massive the the upgrade just to get an adult in a room who actually knows what he's doing uh, calling an offense i think it's huge for mac jones uh is it just is your pullback a little bit you have him nine is the pullback a little bit you just don't like bill o'brien as a play caller uh, you don't want to put him in the top tier because of that because to me if we're just talking upgrades easily top top tier yeah no i think from if you're saying upgrade in terms of uh from where they were to where they are now there's probably not a t because they had a flipping defensive coordinator uh oh, called stupid. offensive players last year is it isn't matt patricia like moving on to be the senior assistant for the defensive assistant for the broncos something like that right i don't know who cares it doesn't really matter <laughs> frank i should <laughs> that's that's i don't even know response. i don't even who know cares? why i asked you you're you're like you know, uh, Midwestern Atlantic Conference uh, basketball matters more than what Matt Patricia is doing this year. Sorry to even ask. 
But um, no, yeah, I think Bill O'Brien, I think some of what was so successful about the Houston offenses that he ran was just Deshaun Watson, like pulling things out of thin air. I'm not sure how much credit I want to give O'Brien for that. Um, I do think he's a good coach, but do I think he's like a, I think he's a needle mover. Like he's not in tier, he's not in tier three for me. We're going to get to that in just a second, but is he a big time advantage every single Sunday compared to what they were dealing with last year? Yes. But overall on his own individual merit, I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah, I also think the Patriots fair. are just totally fair. I also think the Patriots are just tough to read right now. Cause like they have Ramondre Stevenson and that's literally yeah. it. Like Tyquan Thornton, it might be their number one receiver right now with Devonte Parker cap casualty, perhaps Aguilar is hitting free agency. Kendrick Bourne. I mean, give me a break. Like Jacoby Myers is hitting free agency. So they got like a million um, number three guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dude. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, threes. maybe right, right. Maybe threes. Uh, th- by the way, talk about friends and family plan. I was thinking the other day they might be a Brandon Cooks trade spot. Uh, you know, mm, they, they've they done it before. Him. They need a bad somebody yeah. they know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks pro- a little bit of overlap with Bill O'Brien and probably didn't land uh, as didn't end as frosty uh, as the DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> no. thing. So there is that. Um, all right, tier three here. We can go kind of fat faster these last two tiers here, so I don't keep you from your Mid Atlantic Western <laughs> Conference Northwestern Christian basketball uh, that you got to break down here, Frank. But tier three, this one is not sure it moves the needle for me. Starting with the Dallas Cowboys and oh boy, Mike McCarthy's going to take over play calling, but. Brian Schottenheimer is the offensive coordinator, whatever. Mike McCarthy says, I just want to run the damn ball. <laughs> of course just... he did, Matt. Of course he did. <laughs> of course. Why? Because Mike knows who's signing the checks, okay? That's a Jerry Jones quote. You know, Kellen Morey said he wants to light up the scoreboard. I want to light up winning championships or whatever he said. Um, so there's that. He's This is probably the most impactful and, and biggest one to discuss from this tier. The other three I have here, number 11, I have the Philadelphia Eagles promoting Brian Johnson, probably similar to the you know Matt Nagy yeah. promotion. But I, I just I know Nagy more than I know Brian Johnson, whatever. But I think that'll be fine. Not sure there's a ton to discuss. Tim Kelly, I I almost kind of put Tim Kelly in tier two, but he's the former passing game coordinator. He's going to be the offense coordinator for the Titans. I think that moves them along, moves them into the future a little bit. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, last one here, Dave Canales, former Seahawks quarterback coach. He's their offensive coordinator now. Um, we definitely can talk about McCarthy if you if you want to here, Frank. But what stands out from this tier? Yeah, and I think real quick I'll run through the other three. I think Eagles just the continuity there is 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 really it's good. It's good for Jalen Hurts. Good for the offense. They were going to promote Brian Johnson. Our colleague Jory wrote a long story about Brian Johnson and how everybody spoke highly of him. I think that's yeah. easy hire, and, and that's great. Totally fine. Eagles don't think it moves the needle at all because it's just they're the same. They're gonna be the same offense. Uh, same with the Titans. I think that was a smart hire. The Bucks. I don't know what to make of uh, of Canales. I, I just don't know. Like he. He really didn't want to talk about his scheme. He didn't want to like. He, I don't know who he is or what he's going to do. Yeah. Like, I he's kind of an unknown. That's not good or bad. It's just I really don't know. Uh, the so the, the yes back to the Cowboys. Uh, you just hear the name Brian Schottenheimer and you're like, ugh, I, uh, I guess. Yeah. Like, really, that that's the hire. Like, there's all these creative offensive minds out there, and Brian Schottenheimer is just. He's just not like he's he's fine. Like he's he's not terrible. I don't think, but he's not really taking this offense into a new generation. Let's put it that way. Neither is Mike McCarthy. So I think that's a little bit of a step down. I do. I think I think more is better for this offense than the McCarthy-Schottenheimer combo. They could still make it work. They're going to run the ball a lot. It, it probably downgrades Dak to me. It probably downgrades even CeeDee Lamb because they're, they're just, they are. They're going to just 
they're going to establish the heck out of it uh, as some of our friends like to talk about. So I, I don't, I don't love this offense as, as far as like upgrades go. I, I just don't see this offense being yeah. better with that combination. Exactly. That's why it's like, it doesn't move the needle for me because um, I mean, McCarthy's stuff is so stale. I know that like, I think there is a temptation with what, when things were bad with Dallas last year, it was easy or even the last two years, it was easy to be like, well, whatever's bad is definitely McCarthy and whatever good is Kellen Moore. I'm not a hundred percent sure I buy that, but, um, and that's kind of why I have a little bit of skepticism about Kellen Moore, but it's just like, what's inspiring about McCarthy taking over play calling duties. Like, do you really want more on Mike McCarthy's plate? Like this better also come with like a game management specialist, like a Jerry Rossberg type for Nathaniel Hackett last year. Come Mike already wasn't good in those situations. Now he's going to have more on his plate. I don't know if I love that. Um, Yeah. It just feels very like it'll this, this team more than any of the others is like, tell me who's going to be at the skill position spots. And I'll tell you if I'm excited about this offense or not. Because, like, McCarthy's offenses put a lot on the quarterback and it puts a lot on the receivers. Um, it, it doesn't do a lot to, like, get guys open, get layups and stuff like that. When they have mega, when they had mega talented players in Green Bay, good offense. When they didn't, not so much. So if they don't get more around C.D. Lamb, if they don't get a better season out of Michael Gallup, if they're running, like, a random tight end out there like the Dallas Cowboys have always done in the post-Jason Witten era. I don't know. If it's Zeke and a rookie running back instead of Tony Pollard and a rookie running back, I don't know. Again, a lot of it's going to come down to skill position group, guys, to me. Um, Last tier here, Frank, tier four. This one, I'm just unsure how to feel about it. Starting with um, D'Amico Ryans. I think D'Amico Ryans is a great hire. Uh, yes. But in terms of the uh, offensive coordinator, it's going to be Bobby Slowick, former 49ers passing game coordinator, is the offensive coordinator. Bobby Slowick, like, literally worked at PFF a few years ago. Um, he is also, again, just a guy we don't really know much of. I, I could easily see Bobby Slowick, you know, being a huge net positive for this Houston offense. But I just, again, I, I'm unsure how to feel because he's a bit of an unknown. I think the Shanahan scheme could be great here. Number 15 is probably the most interesting here. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. You might have heard of him before. He's the offensive coordinator here for the New York Jets. Okay. That's probably the one we can talk about the most. And then Jonathan Gannon uh, hires Drew Petzing, former Browns quarterback coach, as the offensive coordinator. Again, 14 and 16, just kind of unknown guys that I don't – I'm just unsure how they're going to end up being. Hackett's obviously the biggest name of this group, and there's a – wide variety of reasons why I think I should feel unsure about that. Yeah, you think? Uh, let's start with the Texans because we have to assume it's going to be 49ers-ish, right? And sometimes we yeah. make a mistake with that. I, I made a mistake with that Mike McDaniel. One of the reasons I kind of missed out on on the Jalen Waddle train especially because I just thought they're going to run it a lot because that's what the 49ers do. Well, no, it wasn't really like that. They they spread, you know, they they took shots down the field. It wasn't a big yards after catch offense like we've seen Kyle Shanahan run. But I'm just going to assume it's probably a lot of fingerprints from the Shanahan scheme. So that means great things for Damian Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they that that offense that offensive scheme produces running gains year after year after year after year. And I assume that D'Amico, Bobby Slowick, they're going to want a similar type of offense. And so I think that's really, really good for the running game there. And probably a lot of, I mean, especially with, we'll see what, you know, who they end up with at quarterback. But with a rookie, you're probably going to end up with a lot of short throws, yak, all that kind of stuff. So I assume it's going to be kind of a poor man's 49ers offense. And and that's good. I, I, 
put the, the Shanahan scheme has done well for decades now. I mean, it, it's a pretty good yeah. thing for them. The Jets, okay, well, where have we heard this before? Team hires Nathaniel Hackett to try to land Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't come, you just have a bad offensive coach that, that kind yeah. of runs you into the ground. Uh, yeah, if you didn't learn from the Denver Broncos mistake last year, well, I don't know what to tell you. There's only one reason to hire Nathaniel Hackett as your offensive coordinator after what he showed last year with the Denver Broncos, and that's because you think it can help land Aaron Rodgers. And if it does, hey, okay, I get it. Like, I do. Like, you're going from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that, that's a pretty big upgrade. If they don't get him, I just wonder why. What are you doing? Like, Hackett's offense was bad last year. It just, I don't know. And if, yeah, it just, I don't like that hire, to be honest with you, unless they get Aaron Rodgers, and then I'll be like, okay, whatever. Uh, and then the Cardinals, I have no idea. None. I mean, no idea. Uh, Petson came out and basically said, I'm not going to talk to you about my scheme or what it's going to be. So we don't even know. The one thing he did say he's going to lean on Murray as a runner well, yeah, when he's healthy, <laughs> we don't know yeah. when he's going to be healthy. We don't know if he's going to be healthy all year. Like, it's just, it's impossible to know what this offense is going to be because of the Kyler Murray questions and the Hopkins questions. We don't know if he's going to be there. So I have no, like, of, of all 16 of these teams we talked about, Cardinals are the one where I'm like, just shrug emoji. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what they're going to look like because uh, we don't know who their quarterback is. We don't know anything about their offensive coordinator. Uh, they have a defensive-minded head coach, so we can't even take a lot of clues from that. I, I just don't know. So, yeah, I, I kind of like the Texans hire. I kind of dislike the Jets hire unless they land Aaron Rodgers and have no idea about the Cardinals. We're pretty much on the same page there. Um, I'm definitely interested to see what Slowick does, uh, you know, and and the Shanahan scheme has become so interesting because the, what the 49ers did a lot of last year, you know, they ran a lot of power. They ran a lot of, uh, you know, just some things you wouldn't necessarily have thought of from those old like wide zone, heavy play action, you know, teams. There's still a concentration around the run game, which should be good for Pierce as long as he doesn't become one of these guys that gets, you know, leap leapfrogged by a draft pick or whatever um but he was so good last year you'd hopefully that and they have so many other needs you'd think they would focus elsewhere so we're on the same page here yeah man hack it bro like his offenses weren't even good with like the jaguars or the bills back in the day like what i I mean i guess they're they're trying to entice rogers but it's hard to judge Hackett because he was, like you said at the top of the Broncos, he was like, uh, this is all about Russ. Like, it's whatever. My offense is whatever Russ wants it to be. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that now. And, and the, right. the Jets have so many talented players that I want to be so excited oh, about. Oh, yeah. But- Same here. Like, oh, my goodness. Yes. I, I was in a couple of keeper leagues last year, late in the year when I'm out of it. The, the trades I was making was take whoever you want. I want Brees Hall for the next few years. Like, I, yeah. I mean, the, like, I think – between Brees Hall, obviously Garrett Wilson, you've talked about him a ton Love because him, he yeah. is just a, a freaking stud right now. I think Elijah Moore can get unlocked again with a decent yeah. quarterback. Like they have so many things to like on that offense, but is it an Aaron Rodgers offense? And I don't even know what Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers anymore. I, I've kind of gone back and forth with a few of my friends yeah. just saying like, he's good. I'm not saying he's 2015 Peyton Manning or end of the year or end of the line, Ben Roethlisberger or anything, but he wasn't the same guy last year. Maybe it was all the environment. I don't know, but he's 39 and there's been only one guy to really play well into his forties. That ain't going to become the new normal. Tom Brady's a freak. Like he will be a freak. We're going to look back 20 years from now and say, Oh my God, this dude led the NFL in passing yards at age 44. Uh, So I don't, I wonder how close the wall is with Aaron Rodgers. But if you're the Jets, I totally understand if you're like, hey, if we can get land this guy, we don't need him to be the four-time MVP. We just need him to be good because we, we were absolutely bottom-of-the-barrel quarterback. 
I get it. I, I, I get trying to take that swing, but if Aaron does his Aaron thing and he ret- comes out of the darkness and says, I just want to play for the Packers again for the 50th straight year or whatever we're on now, then what do you have? Like you just have what their car with Nathaniel Hackett. Do we think that's going to hum? I don't think so. So we just got to yeah. see him for Rogers Lancer. Yeah. And I think, you know, we didn't talk about this in the news section, but I, I kind of feel like the Packers, he might come out of the darkness and say, I want to still play. I want to still play for the Packers. And they might be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're ready for, we're ready for the next chapter. I here. think it's, I uh, think it's time. I, I, this is I a think rabbit hole. We don't get, need to go down because we've already talked for an hour, but yeah, I think it's time for the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers. I really do. I've done a 180 yeah. on that since last Me off too. season. It's just kind of like he's declining. You can still cash in your chips and get a lot back from a desperate team like the jets. And I, I'm not the biggest Jordan Love fan in the world, but you got to see but this is now or see, never. Yeah. Now or never. Like you spend a first round pick on him. If you just don't want to lose him for nothing, you got to see this year. This is it. Like you, you got to see. So yeah. I think at the time is right for the Packers to trade him. I think the Jets are a perfect landing spot, but we'll see. I, I, you know, it just seems like we're, we're being led down this stupid path again with Aaron Rodgers and probably will be f- until we're both older than you know yeah we've retired and Aaron Rodgers is still like I don't know if I'm gonna return to the Packers in 2046 yeah, like I don't know I'm not Brett Favre but I am basically <laughs> Brett Favre God if he goes to the Jets what a full circle of life that I is, know right he'll like, be he'll be with the Vikings in, in 24 he'll be he'll be the he'll replace Kirk Cousins in 2024 and history will just repeat itself over. that would be that would be pretty hilarious that would be pretty hilarious funny. like yes you know what was it was it was a Rex Ryan team that that Favre was a, a quarterback for, right? Yeah. When he, took, when he went to the Jets. I'm almost I mean, positive. Am I wrong about that? Like, it, it seems right. I don't that know. seems like, a, yeah, yeah. It, it, Whatever. Who cares? And he was actually Jets pretty good are, with them until he got hurt late in the year. Like, he did yeah. his elbow or something like that. But they were, they're, look, I, I think, look, the one I've only made, I know this isn't a betting show, but I've only made one Super Bowl future bet. And I wrote about this too. It's on the New York Jets. Because if they get Aaron Rodgers, their odds go from 25 to 1 to like 10 to 1. I think they are a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. Not even saying Aaron Rodgers is the MVP anymore. I don't think that guy works here no more. But if the Jets can upgrade like that at quarterback with the talent they have on defense, with the skill guys they have on offense that we've just talked about, I think the Jets are a Super Bowl contender right now if they can land Aaron Rodgers somehow. It was Eric Mangini was the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. In 2008. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in between the Sopranos had... uh, cameos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they had Lavernius Coles, Jericho Cotri, Dustin Keller. Talk about a guy who was before his Dustin time. Dustin Keller. Keller. Wow, Purdue, Dustin baby. Keller. Yeah, big time. Dustin Keller would be a stone-cold stud if he was yeah. the uh, – He'd be, he'd be a middle-class tight end you could, you could embrace, oh, yeah. right? Like, if Dustin yeah. Keller showed up uh, at his prime in 2023, you'd be drafting him in, like, the eighth round. You'd be oh. happy. A hundred percent. Put him, put him on the Jets right now, man. And and, and with Aaron Rodgers, that would be exciting. He's it was like a two hundred forty pound tight end drafted in the first round in two thousand eight or two thousand seven or whatever. He was just a little bit before his time. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jones ran for thirteen hundred yards that year. They had a good defense uh, in previous years. I think like they're literally just there. It's it's it is it's just history repeating itself. It has to happen because it's just like that that, that Jets team. Had talent on offense, had guys that needed to be unlocked, had a defense that was pretty good, defensive head coach, needed to save his job. It didn't quite work out for the 2008 Jets. Maybe it works out with the current Jets right now that they get a Packers cast off and and Frank cashes in his Super Bowl bet. Uh, I I love it. (laughs) 
I mean, nothing more appealing than like, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets like uh, trying to mow down the AFC with Josh Allen and the Bengals. And that is the unfortunate thing about Rodgers. Like we need to we need to keep good quarterbacks in the NFC. The NFC can't be losing good quarterbacks. What a strange uh, difference. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in that New York market, especially those Jets fans? It would just be like Packers fans are intense, but really nice, right? The media yeah. market isn't fierce. Like, it's good. It's, it's a lot harder than you think. But the Jets market, the New York market with Aaron Rodgers, there's flat earth conspiracies or whatnot. And yeah, they're, retreats, they're, like, oh my they're just like, now, they're just now getting sick of Rodgers. Packers fans and, and Packers media members, I think, are just now here. I think it would last maybe 10 weeks until they're sick of Rodgers. <laughs> that would be, oh my God. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Well, Frank, appreciate you stopping by. This has been great. We covered a lot of stuff here. Uh, what do you got going on right now that people can check out? Just, you know, getting ready for March Madness, honestly. Like, uh, just a, a lot of betting content coming up on it. Are you a basketball guy? Yeah, like, you, you don't no, you don't really no. – but you did say tournament. You got to watch NC tournament, right? March Madness? You're into that. Listen, listen you, put, you put a beer in my hand and, and there's sports on TV. I'll watch it. I don't care. I like Will it. I get into I like it? it? Pro- not really. But do you do a bracket? Do you do a bracket? I have occasionally, not oh often. My God, um, man. One you, you, one year, uh, one year, um, the, the year Michigan was number two. I almost called. I called them randomly without knowing anything. I was like, "Oh, that's the winner," and and, <laughs> and it didn't. It it was. I was so close. I was in college. Like I, I was feeling myself so much. I was like, I could probably never do this again. That was, I was like getting close was was good enough for me. But uh, yeah, no, I I'll probably I'll maybe I'll do it. Maybe. I don't know. You should, man. It's fun. It's great. It's Americana. Like, everybody just drops into the tournament on Selection Sunday. Like, people who haven't watched a college basketball game all season are telling me, like, oh, here here are the teams that are going to, like, be the Cinderella's and win. Like, okay, all right. You hadn't heard of that team before two minutes ago. So that's fine. UNLV or whatever. Yeah, no. Uh, I should I should get into it. Maybe this year, you know what, Frank? You've convinced me. This year, I'll get back into it. Love it. I'll, I'll make a bracket. I love year. it. I'll just read my read my bracket tips and betting advice. That's, that's all you need. That's, that's all you need. Literally man. all. Hey, Frank. That's literally all I'm gonna do. <laughs> that is gonna be the prep. Is I'm gonna go to Frank Schwab's writer page on Yahoo Sports. I'm gonna binge that stuff and then I'm gonna make a bracket and uh, it'll be busted in two seconds. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make one. I'll make one. I'll make one change that you told me not to do, and that then that's what I'll. Uh, but again. Put a beer in my hand. Put it on the TV. I'm cool. That's all. That's Love all I'm asking for here. All right, Frank. Well, again, appreciate you stopping by. We'll definitely be hitting you up again soon to pull you out of, uh, you know, Midwestern Conference, uh, Atlantic Christian Polo or whatever you're you're betting on these uh, these days here in the NFL offseason. Uh, but appreciate your time here today. If you don't already, for God's sakes, you're about to be making these brackets yourself. About to be putting these bets down. Follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Shout out to Lord Podcast. This is his final show with us here as the producer. We're going to be going through some transition there, but John Gennaro was fantastic as our producer here. He's not going anywhere necessarily, leaving to launch a couple of other podcasts in the Yahoo Sports universe. That's great. We wish him the best of luck, although he is bailing on us. That is, uh, you know, he's doing it for the good of the company, Frank. I guess we can appreciate that. But shout out to John Gennaro for doing some great work on this podcast. Mm -hmm. In my first year as the full-time host, I'll be back next week with Charles McDonald, who is currently in Indianapolis. Just, I'm sure, laser-focused on all those press conferences, Frank, and laser-focused on all 
of the scouting combine uh, takes that we need to know. He is undoubtedly going to have some thoughts that we need to hear on the next episode of the show. Until then, we're out. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.